All right, what's up everybody? Welcome. Welcome to Simply Cyber Live. It's great to have you. We have an awesome show today and I'm super pumped. Thank you for coming. For those of you coming from Outpost Gray stream, welcome. Hashtag Outpost Gray. I saw you guys dropping that in chat immediately. Uh, so I, I, I checked in on that stream a little bit myself. Great stuff. I love what Jax is doing over there. So listen, enterprise socks are mission critical for enterprise business continuity. This is a fact. Yet most SOC professionals report a great deal of stress and even burnout, trying to better prioritize alerts, working through IR plans, managing SIMs and SOARs that aren't properly tuned. I mean, there's a job called detection engineer all to itself focused on that. Today, I'm pleased to welcome to the show, Dave Klein, Director, Cyber Evangelist for Simulate. And we will be discussing SOC analyst, making it more fun and less stressful. In this episode, we will be covering how to establish better and more effective automation and prioritization, how to ensure SIM, SOAR, and IR plans are optimized and work as advertised, how, the maximum, how to maximize capital value of your tech stack, and how to make zero trust a reality. And we will see SOC, SIM, and SOAR tuning testing in action. So there will be demo. It will be awesome. Let's bring Dave on. I hope you guys are as hyped as I am. Let's have some fun. What's up, Hello, Dave? How's it How going, you, man? Good to see you. Great to be here. Good to be yeah. here, Gerald. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, it's nice to see you because, Dave, you've been on the show before and you came back. So that would lead me to believe yes. that you had a good experience. And uh, that's, always, that's always nice uh, from my perspective, right? Awesome. That's true. Yeah. And it's an awesome time. I always love being here. Yep. And I, I didn't say it in the intro, but I will remind everybody, obviously chat is right there in the stream. We are an engaging, inclusive bunch. Uh, Dave, you know, the routine from last time you were here. So if you have questions for myself or Dave, just drop them in chat with a queue. We will see them. We will answer them as best we can, and we will have a good time. So let's launch right into this. Uh, Dave, the title of the episode, SOC Analyst Stress or SOC analyst um, uh, burnout, is a SOC analyst really that stressful a job? What, what's the deal there? Very much so, very much so. You know, the idea is you, you think about how complex enterprises are these days and all the moving parts. And then you think about all the security devices and, and things that you have within the environment. And we call security controls, third-party security controls, which are like your firewalls, your, your web gateway, your email gateway, your EDR. And then you have the, the first-party controls, the operating systems, the applications, uh, your virtual private clouds and all the controls that, that manage them. It's quite confusing and, and stressful because often, you know, things will occur and, and things aren't tuned the right way. So you, sometimes attacks occur and you don't even see them. Uh, other times mm -hmm. things are, are tuned uh, inappropriately and you're getting like a million alerts on things that don't matter. So a lot of times it's issues with information overload. Uh, and and being able to find and prioritize the right things that you want to focus on. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, based on that, because you're saying like, you know, things come in and they don't even alert. Do you think the 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 root cause of SOC analyst stress is a, more about being overwhelmed or more about not seeing things until it's really got you know uh, caught fire and in being kind of frustrated with not you know, basically not having been able to pre preemptive take care of it before it really turned into a massive problem. I, I think, I think it's really two things. I, I think it really is the, the idea of often being caught 
uh, and not seeing something before before you hear about it elsewhere, right, or, or or that kind of thing. And then you know, looking to try to fine tune things and being frustrated at first and trying to figure out how to do that, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think the combination of the two things together, right? Someone asked a question. I think let me see here. It's really kind of cool. With what is the difference between SOC and IR? So if, mm-hmm. if SOC is your, your, is your security operations center, an IR is your incident response plan. And often the SOC are the captains of that incident response plan, right? When things occur in the environment, what do you do to, to protect yourselves? And usually it involves, you know, like a plan, you know, and the plan has a list of, I, I reach for my, you know, has a list of things that you do. And, and part of it would be part of the SOC people's job to figure that out and call certain people, as well as in some cases, incident response plans also include your, the, the company's attorney, uh, the marketing department to do a PR on the fact that we've been breached and how we, you know, how we're going to take care of things and stuff like that. So, so where a SOC is a SOC, the IR plan uh, includes the SOC and other people as well. I hope that answers that question. Yeah, absolutely. And Roy Keck actually has a question because I, I really like to unpack what is causing the stress. And I know Jess Bishop just started in a SOC. Congratulations, Jess. Uh, super excited, but super exhausted at the end of the day, right? It said there's a lot of a lot of intake going on. Uh, Roy asked the question about the sense of the stress. Is it the environment, company culture that is contributing to that stress? I, I think that um, it is contributing, but that, that again, there, there's certain environments that are more successful in handling than others, right? It's not necessarily a company culture issue. That's more of a job issue, but they're getting better at doing things. And, and trust me, there's a happy ending to the story. Uh, but the idea <laughs> is we're starting with the stress and what, what is usually the problems related to it? We're gonna get into how to how to unstress yourselves in, in a little bit, but you know, the, the, to start with just the stress, it really is a situation of being over inundated with with alerts that don't mean things. Where you really want to see ones that are important, right? So you might get too many alerts and things that don't matter, but the one that you really need to see, you never see, right? And so figuring out how to mm-hmm. how to be able to set up your environment so you're able to prioritize these alerts and see them in the way that you want to see them and respond to them as quick as possible. And in doing that, I mean, I'll talk about some of the ways that we could do this is, is the concept is when you, you have this environment, what you're trying to do is be able to, to see what you need to see. And then also what you begin to do if, you're, if, if the team is, is, is ready for it is also think about automations to occur that are unrelated to you. So the idea would be is if, if, there, if a, someone has ransomware on the machine and it starts to encrypt and there's an alert you want to lock that machine down, lock the user out and take them off the network, right? To prevent it from starting mm-hmm. to other machine. And these things are often things that people then go to a thing called a SOAR, right? To say, if this occurs, do some automation in the background, some script, Chef Puppet Ansible, that takes that person offline uh, and notifies staff to, to go get that machine and, and isolate it, right? So the idea yeah. is, is, the battle is always is, do I see the right things? Are they prioritized? And what can I do to lighten my load by using a SOAR to automate certain responses so that, you know, again, if, if, if a fire alarm goes off, there's fire suppression systems, same thing in, in cybersecurity. If certain things are so bad, like ransomware and other stuff like that, you want to lock them mm-hmm. down and you want to take them out in an automated fashion. Yeah. So you actually kind of touched on one thing there as you pulled up your plan and you talked about, um, you know, kind of getting fired from every direction. I feel, um, you know, as you get a little bit more uh, used to the job and see kind of repetitive things, and this is 
I wanted to get into this in a little bit, but this is a perfect time to segue into it, um, is use cases, right? So this is a quote from a, a report that we're going to pull up in a second here. Anton yeah. Shuvakin, yeah. who's really well known uh, at Google, uh, uh, security operations guy. He said use cases are the core of security monitoring activities. And I think when you when you have your plan, Dave, right? It's like you can't have a plan for every single scenario. But if you see, you know, these 10 scenarios 90% of the time, you can have a plan to execute on that, right? And that helps reduce that stress, I, I would hope. Absolutely. And that's the key. The, the key is, is finding ways to, to take certain things that, that and be able, known bad things and be able to automations to, to remediate them immediately, take them off offline or whatever you need to do that. And that's kind of really important. Right? But to do that, you have to have some good deal of testing and, and other things required to make sure it's going to work the right way. And the best part of it is, is the idea of in the past, you often waited till an incident occurred. Right. And the challenge by doing that is, it wasn't until you know something happened that you start to deal with it. So the beauty here is just like everything else in life, you get behind the wheel mm -hmm. of a car. That car has been crash tested every which way imaginable. It's been rolled. It's been thrown into a ravine. It's been cross. We call cross hit, right? Where the, the, the cars are, are aren't totally equal, which causes more mm -hmm. force. They do all sorts of things like that. So what we're doing, in, what we're talking about here today in the environment, is also finding ways to simulate attacks in your environment so you could see without the real attack occurring, what would happen? Do you see it? Is it the number one thing you see on, on the top of your, your, your sock board or is it buried somewhere mm -hmm. or is not at all? And number two, what automations could you do to help you out, right? Well, let's say you, you come up and ransomware. So you do a test on ransomware and then mm -hmm. you say, well, when this happens, email the on-call manager of the sock and then to, to begin to do things, right? And what happens is when you, when you make that 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 playbook mistakenly you said this on-call manager you know it's 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 it's, it's gonna be uh, jerry and then yep. you're off duty and you get that email right so when if you test in advance you can learn what works what doesn't work right and you could fix it so that when the real thing occurs it occurs in a, in a seamless fashion yeah i definitely think part of the balance is having plans that are flexible enough to to you know evolve gracefully versus right. having it be totally wicked vague like oh alert comes in respond you know like where it's not even usable right because it's too right. too high level that's part of the balance now you're talking about not having the visibility not seeing it another thing i want to pull up from this report and i think you guys are going to love this in chat this is some of this interesting metrics that came out of this report let's let's pick at this right so uh if you're not familiar with miter attack it is an excellent uh, taxonomy of adversarial tactics, uh, tooling uh, techniques, like how adversaries work. It's the entire taxonomy. So if first of all, if you haven't heard of MITRE ATT&CK, strongly encourage you Google it, okay? MITRE ATT&CK and look at it. For those of you who do know, it's perfect. And this is kind of what is underpinning this. So the first one here, Dave, enterprise SIMs, which we just identified as like a core, you know, um, tool of the security operations analyst, only address five of the top fourteen techniques used by adversaries in the wild. So less than, like, just about a third of all. Just less than a third. Right? Yeah, or or flip it the other way, two thirds you don't see, right? Correct, correct. Out of the box, so out of the box, you're not seeing two thirds. So the the concept here is is that in the MITRE ATT&CK framework, it, it is the standardization 
of how these attacks occur across the whole kill chain. And so the point is seeing only five of the 14 means a lot of times you're, you're, you're flying blind. So you need to be able to do attack simulations and things to then tune these sims to see the rest of them. And that's kind of critical. And this is a major study that, that shows that initially you know, people don't, don't know about this and it never gets done unless they, unless they do it. Yeah, you know. that, that's, that is one problem I would say with, with any security program, whether you're an MSSP or you're an in-house SecOps team, or if you're just a one-person band, you know, you, you base, unless you've been in the industry a while, you base the efficacy of your program based on how many incidents you're seeing. But of course, there is a kind of a type two finding there where like things are happening and you don't even know about them. So like you have a false sense of security. In fact, not to go too far off the, the trail, uh, the, well, the trail works here, Dave, but like my PhD dissertation looked at small healthcare companies in the state of South Carolina to understand why they sucked at information security. And the, the core finding was that they believed that they were totally secure, like wicked. If you asked any of them, they would tell you we are perfect. And when you looked at them, they were absolutely every, anything but that. And the reason was because of their visibility of how they felt their program was. Uh, so this hard numbers definitely point, point to that. And to me, that would, that would definitely lead to more stress. Cause when you, when you do do something like a simulation and kind of look at the results, you get alarmed at how, it, you know, it, how wide open the back of your hospital gown is <laughs> essentially. Yes. <laughs> and that's, and that's really the key, right? The key is, is, is if you, they say you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so mm -hmm. if you're not able to test in your environment and say, Hey, wait a minute, we're only seeing five of the 14 minor, uh, minor attack uh, categories. That's a huge problem. Right. And then you so you begin to test on the ones that you don't see and then tune your, your interfaces, whether it be SIM or the automated responses that you do in SOAR to respond and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I see a couple this Couple comments, couple questions in here, uh, Dave. Let me just let's just fire them uh, real quick, and uh, we sure. can, we can talk more about these other two um, facts here. Um, you know, wait, hold on. We already answered this one. Sorry. Um, Eula asked a quick question: How many people are typically in a SOC team? What have you seen in your experience, Dave? Oh my God! It really depends on the company. There, there are some companies who may have you know three or four people uh, who are who are overworked uh, for working for a small firm. There's other cases where like, you know, for example, one of my customers uh, is Xfinity, you know, Comcast, and they have literally tens of thousands of people uh, in, in their sock. Uh, the, the average mostly is, is about a dozen uh, working around, mm -hmm. around the clock and on a shift. But again, it, it, anywhere from from four all the way to thousands, depending on what kind of company you're working for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adrian asked a pretty interesting question. You know, if you've got that level of maturity where you've got documentation in place or procedures in place and the team is organized on that, does that help kind of address that SOC analyst stress? I would, I would say uh, that's what your goal is. Your goal is to have all your procedures in place and make sure the team is good. But the challenge are, uh, is that often, again, you need to do that initial tuning first to make sure you, you see everything that you need to see in the right in the right framework, right? And what you're going to find out is when you do attack simulation, which is what my company does, by the way, uh, allows mm -hmm. you to do that. Is you're able to then test your environment and say, "Oh, we didn't have a plan for this. Well, let's make one up. Does it work? Let's test it and find out. Can we lock things down in a, in a better fashion? We can, right? So the idea is, I, I think Adrian's question is the goal. The goal is, I'm confident. I know my procedures are in place. 
I know my teams are able to effectively do things and they're organized and that would totally reduce stress. And you're correct. So by, by doing right, by doing you're, you're, you're not sitting there on a bike going, I'm really worried about this race. It's over a rocky mm-hmm. terrain. And I don't do a lot of that. Well, if you ride the rocky terrain in practice, by the time you get there, you'll be confident. And that's what we're saying here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, um, a couple, well, so Michael, Michael asks, is there any tools out there that can help you test these things? Uh, Michael, stay tuned because we'll, we'll actually be, uh, showing you a tool uh, later on and actually how it works. So like, great question. And I, I've used this tool myself personally. I've had experience with it. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's quite, quite alarming what it, what it can demonstrate. I will say really quickly, uh, cause I am a GRC guy, uh, you know, first and foremost, blue team second. Uh, Requiem asks, when does the GRC expert come in and say, I warned you about this, you know, <laughs> the dumpster on fire. I will tell you, Requiem, you know, if you got a lot of political capital in the bank and you want to burn a couple credits, this is a great way to do it. Um, but I think just a, a, you know, a quiet, stern look across the table is sufficient from the CISO on, yeah, like, told you. And by if the you way- wanna, Go ahead. Yeah, I definitely want to address this. Part of part of, of, of the testing, by the way, uh, is not only to prioritize things for the SOC, but there also is the ability to do this kind of, of simulated attack testing to allow you to say, I want to discover what vulnerabilities are in my environment. And then more importantly, are they exploitable? Right. Mm-hmm. And so the key is often today, as, as the GRC people warn, there's there's tons of vulnerabilities. And the key here, just like in the SOC where you're, you're either overloaded with alerts or alerts don't come at all, right? The idea that there's mm-hmm. this kind of need to change on me. In, in vulnerabilities, what's really important is to test against vulnerabilities to find out what mitigating first and third party secret controls you can use to protect yourselves and also set up a procedure so that when, when these things occur, you can say, okay, and this tune the EDR, make a segmentation policy that nothing can reach this from X location. On top of that, change our GPO. And you know, the idea is to find ways and the practice that when you find attacks or vulnerabilities that are that, that make you truly hit your crown jewels, that you're able to respond with these mitigating controls before you patch. Question. Yeah, it is it is a very good question. There's a lot of great questions in. Uh, so chat, just let you know, I am flagging these questions and we will uh, jump back and forth throughout the, the conversation today, making sure that we address those. So uh, looking back at these statistics, and I, I actually have a bone to pick with the next page, uh, one particular statistic, but um, David talks about enterprise sims are missing detections for 80% of MITRE attack techniques. I'm assuming this is out of the box, not non-tuned uh, sims, but... You know, a lot of people, um, you know, if you're a smaller org and you don't have the, the, you know, a lot of these companies will give you the SIM like for free almost, and then they'll sell you professional services to tune it. And if you don't want to pay for that, you know, you don't pay for it. And then this is what you get, 80% missed detections. And you think like you're hot to trot and you're not. (laughs) I'd argue, um, yeah. I have, yeah, I have a very strong opinion on this. I, I think one of the challenges are with the Sims is there was a period of time where you had Splunk who was trying to change the market and change the world and what they were doing. You had ArcSight, which was a traditional Sim put out by HP, which is ancient. And by the way, folks out there, you will run into it still. <laughs> you have Q 
QRadar from IBM. And so problems you saw with these three vendors, among others, is trying to get people trained and tuned on their product only, right? And they were making money on services dollars and consulting fees and other things like that. And the challenge today is really these sims take a, uh, take a different attitude of coming in with pre-programmed and updated alerts and things like that. And the challenge here is, is uh, that's kind of the challenge of sims, uh, is mm -hmm. that out of the box, don't do enough. And so, so it's a situation, some of the smaller firms have to do sim as a service where there's experts at one location do it for them. And with the larger firms, they have to hire people who know how to do that. But again, they need to be tuned, right? And, and the bottom line is they need to be tuned for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of thing. Well, so the next the next statistic here is that 15% of SIM rules are broken and won't fire because, not because the SIM, you could have a SIM that is dynamite, right? Absolutely tuned to the gills, right? You got a 50 person team of detection engineers that came in on a six month engagement and tuned the crap out of this thing, right? But all of your endpoints aren't pushing logs correctly, or they're pushing the wrong logs, or it's getting uh, aggregated at like a, a heavy uh, forwarder and it's it's getting jacked up. So right. even if you, you know what I mean? Even with the uh, mindset that you've got this great tuned sim, you're still not seeing stuff in some situations and people need to be mindful of that, right? Correct. Correct. And that's that's a key thing. And, and again, the way to get around this is to to work with the SOC team and test with offensive testing, you know, doing simulated attacks in a mm -hmm. manner that allows you to test your environment. Right. Uh, demo, I'll get into more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So the and by the way, Requiem, Requiem says, uh, go wandering the basement level of the Pentagon. You'll find teletype machines if you try hard enough. I'm sure you would. I've been in the Pentagon many times. I did 10 years of U.S. federal cover government customer work, then I would guarantee you'd find teletypes. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. I, I mean, even, um, you know, I worked at an academic medical center up until 2020 and they had a vacuum tube uh, delivery system, you know, like the kind where like you yeah. like yeah. to me, you, you see it in museums where they like ship. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, I want to I want to freak out, flip out and, you know, get your thoughts on this, Dave. But look at this next statistic the, at the top, 75 percent of out of the box vendor content. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't see the whole thing uh, because of the way it's clipped off. But that actually says organizations disable 75 percent of out of the box vendor content due to noisiness. OK, Ow. now now. <laughs> Okay, so, but I want to push back on this particular one. Up until this point, all of these statistics I agree with, and I think that they help contribute to lack of visibility, uh, analyst burnout because of frustration and uh, organizational risk that is, you know, uh, basically unaccounted for. But there's two philosophies for handling your sim. I am of the school of thought that. You can't you can't monitor everything. If you're just getting the deluge of alerts, it's overwhelming, and you're like, "Oh, I just give up." So by tuning by turning off a ton of the out of the box things and picking just a few really bad things and tuning those up and getting those locked in, and then you know slowly adding. I think you know th there's there's pros and cons to that idea, but right. I think that that philosophy is good because it allows your analyst time to focus. 
and um, right. you know you can tune the things right. So what what are your thoughts about about organizations disabling three quarters of out of the box, which is kind of funny because you're paying for part of that out of the box detection engineering, right? That the the vendor right. baked in. Right, and we talked about that. We talked about the fact that that vendors need to do more of that. I, I think the challenge here is it really is a two tier approach. I think there's a need to prioritize what's on the above head screens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there still is a need. So if you're going not to view it on on the top screen, you need a secondary approach. And there's all sorts of companies that deal with uh, logs, aggregation. So in essence, mm-hmm. you know, it should be a situation where if I'm alerted on these things here and I, I've tuned it the way I want, you still need to have another way that if, if someone comes to you say, listen, I think we have a problem here. I don't know if it's an insider threat. Or if a third party who works with us is giving us issues, you need to be able to still investigate that, right? So your SIM, mm-hmm. your alerting mechanisms need to have a way that maybe you don't pop it to the screen, but you're still logging in, right? So you could sit mm-hmm. there and say, I know what the, my dashboard says, uh, but there's one person we think there's, it might be an insider threat. So let, let me look up that person. Plus there's that third party that we think may have and maybe we're using for support services and they may oh it's the support services right so you need you still need to have the ability if if you have that dashboard that you prioritize things that if you decide to disable things that you're still happy of, of having the sim log it to something else maybe not to the dashboard does that make sense yeah absolutely i agree i i, I agree that there is value i mean if you have the storage right i mean that's how some vendors one big one particularly that's how they bill that's how they charge um is based on uh logs and 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 storage of those logs so i agree with you if you can store all the things then it can certainly be it can certainly be useful um we kind of touched on go ahead as joel talks about it this is where elk does well totally correct right you log everything but you get rules for certain alerts you want to investigate and allows you to pivot to other locks. Beautiful, Joel. That's exactly right. Yeah, Joel. You said it better than I did, Joel. You said it better than I did. <laughs> I will say, for those who are, who do not work in the industry uh, or aspiring SOC analysts, because um, we kind of touched on it and people mentioned it in chat, like when you walk into a SOC or knock and you see the big eye candy glass boards everywhere of pie charts and donut yes. charts, that's yeah. for the VIPs walking by. That is not, no analyst is looking at that going, <laughs> oh yeah, that, we got to take care of that right there. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And someone, Nick, Nick Barker, Nick Barker says, I, I haven't heard anything about where a pew pew map fits into, uh, map fits into this. Yes. The, the, the dashboard of the world, right. With, with, with the lasers going across. And stuff. Yep. I always love those too. <laughs> in, in real life, those are cool if it's a situation where I'm looking up an incident and I need to see specifically GOIP location mm-hmm. or by you know architecture hierarchy where where is this coming in from, what's it hitting. Uh, but I'd argue that the the big pew pew map is part of that. Those executives coming in the room, but the key is I like I like those pew pew maps when it's it's a situation where I can then lock them down to either by geography or by architecture what I'm doing. Uh, in, 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 in trying to do forensic analysis. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good question. Yeah, no, chat, you guys are blowing it up today. I got so many things slapped on the side over here. And, and this I is love, why I come I love, back, by the way. 
Jerry, this is why I come back. These people rock. Yeah, we, we have a great community over here. I actually uh, gave like a, a homage this morning on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing about how just appreciative I am of the community and all that they do to make it inclusive and, and uh, a good time. Um, plus, now we got the chat over here, Dave. So, you know, you can really get right into it. Um, so let's talk a minute about uh, this is one of the things I wanted to tag on. Effective automation. Effective automation. Jesus, effective automation and prioritization. So how can- <laughs> I would have done the how, same thing, by the way. <laughs> thank you, yeah. So how can how can SOC analysts kind of take advantage of effective automation prioritization in order to kind of reduce burnout? And, and, and what is effective automation? What is this on this banner right here? <laughs> yes, automation what? and prioritization. And yeah. By the way, I, I got it right because you didn't get it right. Like, oh, I got to say it correctly. So the key here in automation- uh, See, automation, in there it automation, is. <laughs> in automation, the, the key here is in, in testing, doing, you know, uh, cyber, you know, simulations of attacks. Mm -hmm. The key is by having a toolkit or a solution that is updated when all the new threats change and, you know, threats change daily, vulnerabilities change daily, your enterprise changes daily. So having automation allows you to do do the this kind of testing in the SOC on a continuous basis, right? You create a template, you look at it, and you say, okay, let's baseline. And someone actually said this earlier, you, mm -hmm. you, it's a baseline and trending. You're able to baseline how you're doing, and you can watch it rise and lower, right? Mm -hmm. And because you can see that, if it rises, you can go in there and say, hey, what's different here? What, what happened, right? And you could see, oh, we have a new third party. Oh, they have full access to the data center. No, 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 no. We need to put some segmentation in. Ah, the trend's lowered, right? So automation allows you to take some of the more arduous tasks and automate them so they become templates and are easy to do, right? We talk about also being overwhelmed in the SOC. Part of the challenges in a SOC, beyond just the, the fact that threats change daily, is the level of expertise, active directory, exchange, DNS, email, all these different kinds of technologies uh, GPO, you know, it's, it's, it's intense. So having a solution that automates and also you by educating as you go, because as everyone says here, right, they want to get in the business, they want to be here and you have to learn mm -hmm. on the job. So the key is with the automation, automation, we're just going to change it to automation. I'm going to go update the Wikipedia page. <laughs> right. And by the way, Nick Barker says, if I can go back, I would get a PhD in Active Directory. And by the way, you would never have a day in your life that you would not have a job. Active Directory is a great yeah. example of that, right? But the key is because you have a solution that's auto automated and prioritized, uh -huh. you have the experts helping you set up these, these templates. Say, ah, you want to do an Active Directory check? Check this out. Go to your GPO. Your standard user shouldn't be able to pop a PowerShell. Boom, right? Mm -hmm. And here's what you do, right? So because it gives you these templates and also automated remediations, and here's what you need to do to fix things, right? All the prescriptive stuff makes it easier for the SOC teams to be able to incorporate this and stuff like that. Yeah, and I like, you know, automation uh, does have a lot of different um, use cases for it, obviously. Uh, it's it's mm -hmm. a core part of SOAR, right? But you, you gave one example that really... Uh, I guess resonates with me, Dave. So, 
you know, as a GRC person, part of, you know, my work has involved like, okay, we want to work with uh, Joel Belt. Oh, so I always use Joel Belton's ice cream company. He doesn't own one, but like, it's just what I do. <laughs> so it works. So Joel Belton. Yeah. So Joel Belton's ice cream company. All right. We're going to do business with him. We've got to establish a, um, uh, in a VPN interconnection for the two networks to connect and, and users come in and stuff like that. All right. So I've done the risk analysis. They can come in, but they can only touch these three servers. It's the, you know, it's the ice cream uh, supply chain servers, right? They don't need to be over here in our manufacturing plan or any of that crap. Everybody good with that? Yeah. Everybody's good with that. So the, 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 the plan and how we look at it is safe, but then a network engineer has to physically tap and open up the connections and, and configure the right. uh, the VPN. Right. And, right. you know, it's Friday, it's 4.30. He's trying to get out of there. Boom. You know, any, any, or, you know, you know, whatever, like 10 dot X dot X dot X dot X through 10 dot, you know, 255. So wide open is what I'm getting at. Right. Right. And you wouldn't know it. Right. Like if you go back and look at what we're doing, you say, OK, like it's all good. All the paperwork says that Joel's ice cream only can touch these. But in practice, it's not. So having kind of automation for some of these like normal situations that you would see over and over and over again. It, it To me, it helps not just with sock, you know, I guess stress, sock burnout, but it helps overall the organization have better information security again, because that is a thing that I see all the time, which infuriates right. me as a GRC person because what the hell was the point of me doing the work in the first place if we're not going to implement the controls as needed, right? So I, I love automation for that too, Dave. Yeah, and it's really kind of critical, right? And of course, of course, uh, Requiem 2019 goes, how do we work in orchestration? <laughs> so, oh yeah, bring or, it in. Orchestration. Yeah, so, so the, the key is, is, is that this kind of stuff here leads to better orchestration. So the idea is... is in these kind of testing tools, when I show you the interface, it's also part of, of, of the orchestration is testing in an environment and then saying, hey, listen, SOC analysts, blue team, here's what you need to do to do a better job in locking this down. And here's the prescriptive output, right? And that's that really is helpful in that a lot of times it really leads to the ability to see the repeated return on investment and seeing the risk reduced. Another thing we haven't really talked about in this, in this talk, but it's kind of important. We, we've actually talked about it in other uh, times uh, here, mm -hmm. here with Jerry and elsewhere in some of my other broadcasts is also with these solutions, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a third wave. You have the red teamers, the blue teamers, right? The cybersecurity people, the IT staff. You also have the executives. And the key is part of the orchestration is also giving you a report that tells the executives, you bought the CDR. You know, mm -hmm. you keep telling you keep telling uh, people that you know, hey, listen, we spent a million dollars on EDR. You could show the benefit of that EDR in reducing risk. So, to the executive, mm -hmm. they see that return on investment for their spend. And then here's the other thing: the way these reports work is also you could sit there at the SOC and go, CIO, CISO, here's our report, and the CISO goes. And Seattle goes, I get it. I see this here. And by the way, you said it took about two weeks to recover from the test. We need to do that within 24 hours because if we're down for, for, for that long, we're out of business, right? So the, the, the mm -hmm. key is that also beyond just the prescriptive orchestration in helping people lock things down, 
these kind of solutions also allow you the, the good ones to also explain and have the executives be part of what's going on, both from, I understand the value of what you're doing, but also to contribute and say, yeah, two weeks doesn't work. We have to do it within 24 hours. Right. And that's yeah. kind of thing. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, so again, th I know that, so Dave is from Simulate, which they, their product, which we're actually going to look at as an active adversary mm -hmm. simulation tool. But one, one piece of it that I hadn't seen in other tools that I personally liked um, has to do with automation. And basically guys, um, when a new threat comes out, right. So like Maui ransomware from North Korea or, you know, the, the uh, Felina vulnerability with the Microsoft, yes. um, not, it was like the debugger thing. So it was kind of like running macros. Like when something like that comes out, you can like, basically this tool, like it, it is, you can automate it to automatically test, you know, a pilot endpoint, right? It's, you could do your whole org, right. but like the way I did it was, it was a couple of machines that kind of represented my org and you can test it. So when you come into work in the morning, you've got a report saying like, Hey, Felina's out and you're actually uh, not vulnerable to it, or you are vulnerable to it. Maybe you want to prioritize this. And that automation, um, it, it's not just responding to an incident, but it's like almost proactive. It's automation in a way that is proactive for me to to, prior, to prioritize, you know, frankly, um, that this is a thing that I need to stop and take care of right now, or I need to right. communicate properly to the right people. And I just love that, Dave. That's I thought that that was yeah. a really nice, option or feature or whatever you want to call it that was important and and some of our earlier customers helped push this in that direction right uh, and we had you know and being a startup the cool thing about being a startup is is you, you start with a solution right you start with a product right and then your customers help make it better because they say dave i like this you should do more with this and we had a, a few CISOs it really got involved early on and said business risk, right? Mm -hmm. Business impact. And that really made a difference, I think, in what we're doing. Uh, and that's kind of important uh, and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So we talked about efficacy. Uh, well, we talked about effective automation and prioritization and because of Requiem orchestration. Uh, what about testing for the efficacy of the automation and prioritization? It's fine to say that things are automated, but like, is it actually effective? What, what are your thoughts around testing for it? So the, the beauty is the demo, the demo is going to show this. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And, and the key is, is that's really kind of key is that one part of the, these kind of solutions, right. Are tying into all your controls, including your SIM, including your SOAR and having them respond or worst not respond when you do testing. Right. So the beauty is with solutions like this, you're able to go in there, for example, let's say SOAR, and go in mm -hmm. and I use the example of, you, you come up with an incident response plan that says, tell the on-duty sock manager to do X, Y, Z and use their email. And I said, maybe someone wrote a script and mistakenly it's only pulling you know, Jerry versus everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. You could see that in the output. Oh my God, you know, or, there was another example um, where I, I, I was using Palo Alto's XOR and found out that it that the the script was waiting for a user interaction, but it had to be fully automated. And it was a situation where there was one of four answers. And in, in mm -hmm. this case, always number four, right? So it was, oh, it didn't, it didn't why didn't it trigger? 
because it's waiting for manual for someone to say something, right? So the key is, is that the idea of these solutions are part of the feedback is you see what these, what the SIM and the source sees and the other automation sees, and if they don't go off, you go, I see what happened. I see what happened. And we get to the demo. It, this is kind of funny because it really proves this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we'll, we will look at the demo. Joe Bolton, uh, all caps. I see demo, demo time. time. Demo time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a demo in a second. Uh, Liang had a question here. I don't see it coming up. Uh, just basically around if you had a preference on um, Sims. And I'm, I'm actually kind of curious what how you I have my thoughts on this. Do you have a preference on best Sim? And, and if you don't want to say it because you don't want to have a, a position on it, you know, that's fine. <laughs> so so the, the key is, you know, ArcSight is, is the Mac Daddy originator of, of Sims, but it really was made for Fortune 200 companies that have people with PhDs on Sims who write all sorts of scripts and things like that. Uh, you have a million dollar contract with, with the outsource firm that helps you with that. Um, but it really is, is effective for very, very large organizations. For most, mm -hmm. Splunk seems to be the best. However, I've seen people who love QRadar, IBM's QRadar, and just can, can make it do all sorts of things. And, and for me, I think the bigger, is, uh, bigger answer is one size doesn't fit all, right? And I would argue mm -hmm. that, that with Sims, all Sims, the key is to be able to prioritize and see the right alerts and alert on things like we saw in, in, in the research is really critical. And depending on your size and your tech skills, you're either going to say, I'm going to go to a managed security services provider and say, we're doing SIM as a service. Okay. We're doing SIM as a service. I'm going to put some SLAs, service that's called service level agreements together. I'm going to have someone on site, my company, to work with you on this and tune it the way you need to and make sure we're doing a great job, right? And then as you work up the food chain, you know, most people in that intermediate group use Splunk, but again, there's still a learning curve. Uh, and then again, but again, there, there are cases of people using all of these that have done a really effective job. But I think the biggest thing is to figure out your size company and whether or not you want to have that as part of your expertise or you want to outsource it. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, it like you can have the best SIM, whatever the best SIM is. And if you don't have the staff to run it, you don't have this, you know, as all those statistics indicated, um, you could have it misconfigured. You could have it not getting logged. So even the best is subjective in that it could be not utilized correctly. And then you'd be like, Oh, this SIM sucks. It doesn't really do anything. Right. Uh, and it's, and it's not the SIM's fault. It's, it's everything else's fault. So, right. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do you, what do you think, um, Dave, we've talked about, you know, I guess a couple different things around automating, uh, prioritizing, helping, basically helping the, the, the thesis of this talk is that we're helping SOC analysts be less stressed by kind of removing a lot of the noise, removing a lot of the false falseness, understanding the efficacy of the tool set and getting the value of the tech stack, right? Which, you know, Okay, so let's take a minute about that, and then I want to hop in the demo, if that's okay with you, Dave. We talk about um, the value of the tech stack, right? And I have a little button for this. Where is it? Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. There we go. Optimizing the SIM and really value out of the tech stack. Now, you may be a SOC analyst, right? SOC analyst one, Jess Bishop, for example, in chat, right? You, 
at that level, you're more concerned about how your tooling works. What, how do you execute your job well? You may not be thinking of budget, invest, you know, invested costs, recurring costs, capex, opex. You're not thinking about the color of the money, um, but that really matters. And and to put it plainly, if you spent let's say a million dollars on your SIM solution and you're not getting the value out of it and you go and ask for an extra 500 grand for a passive vulnerability scanner because you want more visibility on these things, they're going to say, where's the value for the million dollars that we invested? And if you can't demonstrate that, you're going to get slapped, like not physically slapped, but the the board is not (laughs) going to give you money. You know what I'm saying? They're going to tell you right. to go get squeeze value out of your million dollar investment or they're, you know, you could be on the chopping block, frankly, because what the hell are you doing with the money we gave you? You know what I mean? So you need to maximize that value. So let's talk about maximizing that value. And that, and that is really kind of critical. And, and, and the, the key here is, is with solutions like breach attack simulation solutions, like what we do is you're sitting there and you're showing if your baseline risk was this, you add an EDR and you realize that you're able to tune it further, mm-hmm. that you're getting additional reduction in risk. So the key is being able to show that and prove that is key, right? And in fact, a lot of the cybersecurity standards and things that people have to adhere to now often say, I want to see you in a continuous fashion, prove that you're on top of mm-hmm things in your environment, preventing enterprise drift, preventing threats, preventing risk and optimizing things. And, and the key is back to what you said is because you have solutions that allow you to show that risk is being reduced. Right. And when, when risk rises, you're able to say it was because that new third party in our environment and we did a lateral movement test and realized from their location, they can get to the, everything, all the crown jewels. And all they really need to do is their help desk package and they need access to X, Y, Z. So we lock down segmentation and now that risk is, is ameliorated. It's not there anymore. And so the beauty here is it allows to explain it to the technical staff as well as the executive staff that that's what you're doing, right? And again, if because there's reporting for the executives, they're, they're seeing the value for your cybersecurity spend. You're optimizing what you have, right? And if it's a situation that you have overlap, you can get rid of the overlap. If it's a situation where, you know what? The server team pushed back and said they don't want EDR on the servers because it's hard. Well, mm-hmm. if you prove with testing that, you know, that ransomware that, that hit our competitor, we would totally, they would totally eat our lunch, right? It would be zero to 60 seconds they have Active Directory. And then mm-hmm. explain that risk to the executives or like spend the additional money. So the key is that it allows you to, you know, to, to optimize what you have, prove the value of the spend. And if you need to spend more money, say it in terms that the executives understand and that the, the technical staff understands. Yeah. And I know this is a little bit above SOC analyst burnout, but it is important as you go through your career and get higher yeah. up in you know yeah. into management and spend and all these things, these lessons learned are valuable because you're not going to get it in a textbook anywhere. One other, um, one other value of, 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 um, maximizing the value of your tech stack in order to get money. And this is a trick, I guess, or a pro tip, whatever you want to call it, um, that I was able to do. It's like, if you look at, if you're testing the efficacy of your tools, right? Let's pick an EDR, for example. Let's say that you're using 
um, well, I don't want to name any because I don't want to get hit with like some lawsuit or something, but let's just say you're using <laughs> Joel Belton's, Joel Belton may, or Nick Barker is an EDR provider, Barker EDR. Okay. You're using Barker EDR and you, you pay, I don't know, let's say $25 an endpoint and you test it and it misses most things. You can bet that you can go back to the vendor and say, listen, this is trash, dude. I'm not renewing for $25 an endpoint. I'll give you $12 an endpoint and prove that you can fix it. Or I'm going to rip it out of my environment and tell all of my cronies that they should rip it out too. Like, but, but you have evidence. Otherwise you just got the slick sheet from the vendor that says it does it. Right. Right. I'm getting so mad about it, Dave. No, it's so true. It's so very true. Right. And, and the key is, is that the biggest thing and why I went to I, I've been in this, this business for a long time and why mm-hmm. I was with a successful startup called Gardecore. Uh, they were bought and I, I said, I'm going to choose my next one. I wanted another startup and I looked at 60 different startups. And why I chose this one is I love the mm-hmm. fact of optimizing what you have. If you need to spend more money, you prove it. Right. And, and for me, that's what I love about this kind of field is that it really is, it makes people more more effective and stuff like that. And, Absolutely. And it, Joel, Joel has a good thing. Soft skills matter as well. Joel, 200 percent. Right. And, and and, you know, the key for me is, is being able to. And by the way, I don't think it's always a soft delivery for stakeholders. Sometimes it's not the soft delivery. It's the right delivery. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there are times where you need to be. I don't want to say brutal, but you need to be blatant, right? This is what's going on, but there's a way of doing it. You're correct. You don't want to be rude and you want to talk in, in the, their language, right? Which is risk and business, you know, trying to get business going and that kind of stuff and keeping business continuity. But you're right. There, there's, there's different ways. And also, even if you're a cybersecurity person working with DevOps or working with IT, you know, other, other types, there's, there's a way that they want to hear things too, right? And then part of, I think today, when we talk about purple teaming, you know, blue team, red team, mm-hmm. Things are really going to purple teaming because the goal is working together. I, I remember when you would sit there and and the red teamers would come over and go, woohoo, woohoo, look at all the stuff that we did in the environment. Yes, high five, we're out of here, right? That doesn't work anymore, right? It has to be mm-hmm. a situation where the red teamers go, hey, here's what we did. Here's how we could do things better. Let me work with you and, and, and show you. And, and it, it's and it's across. It's a cross domain thing where you're working with each other. And again, also, it's really three. It's business. I don't I only have two hands. So, so, so Jerry, you have to put a third <laughs> hand up, right? It's really business, you know, IT, DevOps, and, and cybersecurity. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so, Dave, you know, to Michael's question earlier, or Michelle uh, Bergeron, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. For some reason, I feel like I've seen this before, but it had the two dots above the E. Uh, but anyways... Uh, any suggestions about what to use to test it? If you sim catch it, catches everything, I think it's time for a demo, Dave. I think it's I think it's time for a demo. And and the, the beauty here, yeah. folks, is is we're going to show you that sometimes sims are not totally tuned. So let me go ahead and share my screen here. Oh yeah. Hey, make sure you drop your creds on stream. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute here. And oh, it's interesting. It's not showing my. It's actually not showing my uh, username and password here. Hold on a second. Give me a second here. Right, Can we stop on. sharing I'll just, screen? Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. I have to somehow, uh, follow, uh, pardon me, folks, I have to re-log in. And let's no, it's see all here. good. Let's see here. Yeah, Sign sorry, in. Barker, EDR. Um, you know, it was, it was good one. times. Let's go ahead and, so let me share the screen again. And I go okay. from tab and simulate. There we go. Okay, so 
And again, this isn't going to be a, a full demo uh, of this solution, uh, but really we're focusing on SIM and SOC and SOAR and optimizing them. But I, I will give you an overview of, of the dashboard here because it's kind of cool and really explains what we're doing. So the biggest thing that we do, again, is run uh, attack simulation safely in production environments to help you establish a baseline and trend over time. And the way that we have the main dashboard kind of set up here is like the cyber kill chain, right? You have attack surface management, which is dealing with, hey, we went on the dark net. You have exchange accounts out there. Or we checked your, your email. You don't have SPF records set. And by the way, your certificate's expired, right? So the idea is just as an attacker would come in and do recon and find these things, we help you do that as well, right? We have phishing awareness, you know, and then we get into what we call the initial attack vectors, right? Email gateway, web application firewall, web gateway. You know, endpoint security, right? Lateral movement, data exfiltration, among other things. Uh, and the key here is with each one of these things, let me go to endpoint for a second. Uh, it's like a golf score, right? And by the way, I'm terrible at golf. But uh, what I do know is a lower golf, uh, lower score is better. So the idea here is looking at endpoint security, there's a baseline and there's a trend up and down over time, right? And the idea is the idea is you're seeing if you're going up and down and what the reasons are for it, right? But today we're going to talk about SOC, SIM, and SOAR automation. So the example I thought I would do is I set up a machine and I have Palo Alto, I have uh, uh, Sentinel-1, and I also have- um, When you uh, say a, Palo Alto, yeah. are you meaning like you have a, a network device a in firewall. line? Or you have- A firewall, a, fire a firewall. Okay, but, but the Sentinel-1's EDR installed on the endpoint, right? Right, what I did is I went through and I said, okay, so I'm going to go through and I, I want to see and baseline uh, EDR security go through. And I'm going to go here and say, I'm going to find my, let me find my machine here. Where's my machine? There it is right there. I had a Windows 2006 server. And what I did here is this. I said, I'm an executive uh, working with, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in the SOC administrator working with executive. And what we did is this. We said, hey, listen, um, to save money, uh, we finally fired our signature-based antivirus vendor. And we want to use Windows Defender and uh, on the base server image, right? Also, where we save money there by using Windows Defender, which comes with the operating system. Another thing we did is we went ahead and we did get Sentinel-1 and we added the EDR. And again, it could be any EDR here. I'm just, it just happened in the lab. That's what I have, right? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we have Palo Alto as a firewall in the front and we have a SIM, you know, and and uh, the key here is we want to see, number one, how is that new EDR doing? How mm -hmm. is Microsoft Defender doing? And the more importantly is, is the SOC team catching things that they need to catch? And are the alerts bubbling up? And our, our events being created and things like that. Yeah, so I ran hey, two different. Can, can we? Is it possible to zoom in a little bit? I don't know if it'll. At some point, I'm sure it'll jack it up because it's probably you know HTML. We're gonna it up right away. So, so I'm gonna go here into to to one of these here and make it a little larger. Let me see. Let me tell you if you, you see it or not. Can you see it okay? Um. Yeah, it's a little pixelated, but I think that's network bandwidth, not not that. Uh, yeah, this is good. I've made the I've made your display as large as I can. I've moved chat out. Gotcha. I, like we're overlaid, so I think that that's uh, as good as we can get. So you know. So in, the, in this in this situation, 
I ran uh, an endpoint security assessment and I ran it saying, I have these different integrations and make sure you, you see how things are. And on top mm -hmm. of that, I chose attacks that would also stress. We talked about third party security controls, which are, again, in the case, Sentinel One, Windows Defender, right, and Palo Alto. But then also there's first party controls. I want to know if my base a server image is too permi promiscuous, is too permissive, right? And so the mm -hmm. key here mm -hmm. is you know, looking through this, what I see is 10% penetration rate. Not bad, 35% not bad. It ran all 22 scenarios I have and the signatures that I have. And what I found is, you can see, while it's 10%, there are gaps. There are gaps, right? And the key here is, mm -hmm. if you look through here, you see antivirus, it caught everything. So, okay, that's, that's good to hear. Trojans caught everything. Worms caught everything. Ransomware did not catch everything. Okay. Let me go in here for a second. And again, you could do it by techniques, which again, led to MITRE, right? And so when you look at attack techniques before we dig in further, PowerShell, 100%, mm -hmm. five out of five. What does that tell me? My first party controls as far as the operating system, PowerShell, mm, maybe we need to have the server instance locked down that you come in with a specific account when you need to use PowerShell. You shouldn't run PowerShell 24-7, right? And there's a reference. Control panel. Uh, this is a, a server machine, and the administrators need to get access to the control panel. But let's make sure that services and other things can't access the control panel right away, right? That it is a, a situation where that happens, right? Process discovery. Uh, I'm going to say that that's that, that's okay because you know what, you could discover processes, but in this situation, maybe you don't want to. Uh, uh, you know, I think in this situation, that's not something that we could we could we can lock down, right? Mm -hmm. But he goes through and shows you things from pers perspective of doing what didn't, right? And again, by attack type, we're back on ransomware. And I'm going to ransomware for a second because this is really interesting. Also, what's important is there's an event. There's no alert, no incident. So back to what we were talking about originally, do mm -hmm. Sims see everything out of the box? No. And by the way, Folks, when I set up to do this demo, I thought I was alerting and I was creating incidents. <laughs> but I was. So yep. this is a beautiful example of what we're talking about. And as you see here, if you go through these, you see various types of things, some incomplete and some execute completely. And we already talked about control panels. I'm going to miss HTA, even though it was incomplete, to talk about uh, the issues we have here. So what is MS HTA? HTA? If, I, if, if people leave with, with, with just one thing on top of their mind is you never use Internet Explorer anymore, right? We call it Internet Exploder. It was a horrible browser, right? Yeah. And now the new Microsoft browser is Chrome-based. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't be bashing vendors. I know I shouldn't be bashing vendors. I'm going to do it anyway. But what is uh, MS HTA? MS HTA was the Internet Explorer extension that allowed you to use HTA files in different programs to launch things at a browser level, right? So even though Internet Explorer is gone, most GPOs, most Windows GPOs out there have not said no more HTA anymore, right? And the mm -hmm. beauty here is we talk about 
sock burnout and things. Part of the issue is sometimes a lot of research. So the beauty here is you see exactly what happened, why, why it worked. You see the various uh, you know, ways uh, of uh, mm -hmm. using software hacking or obfuscation to bypass AB signature detections or EDR solutions. And you have actually references here that you can go and look at. Those and are see MITRE ATT&CK numbers, right? Those are MITRE ATT&CK numbers and they actually go to them. Since I'm sharing just one tab, I can't go to it right now. But what you see here is even though in this situation, the stage your file was unsuccessful, right? And seeing what would have happened if it went through the entire thing. Now, here's the beauty of what we're talking about. I've sent a one integration, Splunk and Palo Alto. And I said, well, what's funny is it successfully stopped it, right? But we didn't get any alerts on this. So I go into my events and alerts and I say, I'm gonna start with, with not Sentinel-1, I wanna start with, um, well, let's start with Splunk, right? All query we put out to, 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 to Splunk and there's this, you see view request, got it. And what's occurring is Splunk is saying, yeah, okay, I see this. It's not actually creating an alert. If you read this, and I was kind of kind of small print, it didn't create an alert. It saw mm -hmm. it, but didn't actually alert on it, right? So I go, well, is it a situation that set a one? Isn't bubbling up to 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 Splunk view request? Ah, so basically, it's seen by the EDR. But mm -hmm. part of the, the script isn't, you know, launch to the sim. You go into Palo Alto. Palo Alto actually saw some of this stuff, but nothing's being sent to the sim. And guys, when I set this up, I thought I was going to show you a success story. But I actually am showing you a prime example of what we're talking here. In this situation, in our lab, we have the Splunk set up. But we've not set up Sentinel-1 in the Palo Alto to talk to the Splunk in the appropriate manner. And Splunk, in some cases, has seen some of the stuff, but is not alerting or creating events out of it. And so the beauty here is this is a prime example of a way that you can go through and easily find out where things are alerting on and where they're not. Yeah, I love it. And that's it. It's very useful. <laughs> and go back, go back to where there was the ransomware, the process, like the, the findings where it was just the ransomware, if you know what screen I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes. So, so here we are. Uh, uh, let's make sure this is the right one. So this, no, yeah, no, the ransomware. The screen I was talking about. Go, go back where it was like four of ten ransomwares and everything else. Yeah. AV caught. Yeah, go to that one, please. I, yes, I want to point right something here. out to everybody. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like, okay, I can't do everything all the time. So where do I focus my energy and efforts? And like, this is a really cool, um, you know, I guess output of something like this is that I don't need to look to see if I need to configure my EDRs for catching Trojans or catching worms, like, you know, under the context of what these uh, checks were, I really just need to focus on the ransomware stuff. So I don't waste my time. Right. I don't spend cycles on something that right. works fine. Plus, right. by the way, if I'm asked by, you know, <laughs> if I get the question from the business of like, Oh, I saw a news report about worms. Are we susceptible to worms? It's like, okay, first of all, like, <laughs> It's not the right question, but no. And you can point to evidence to say <laughs> no. You know what I mean? So it, it allows you to kind of answer those questions and get back to actual work, you know, because um, you have to take time to answer those questions when they come in from people who sign your paychecks. But I'm just saying, right. I find this useful. <laughs> it's very useful. And, and again, where this is showing you completed versus detected, 
in this specific test I did. What's also beautiful about the solution is you're also able to go through and say, in the history of us working together, mm-hmm. take the, the, the MITRE attack framework, right? And tell me where we suck, right? Where are we terrible? Where are we doing great, right? And the beautiful thing is you very easily can go through and say, all right, we're having problems with brute force and credentials, right? Um, or uh, hijacking of execution flow, right? Uh, various ways, you know, you're able to see basically where you're having issues. Like a, a great one here is data encrypted for impact. What is that? Ransomware, right? So you're able to see, yep. you know, and by the way, there are solutions out there that that basically look for rogue encryption on machines and stop it, right? So the, the key is you could mm-hmm. sit there and say, uh, it, when those executives come to you and say, you know, on this specific thing, you know, worms, you say, well, really what the problem is, data encrypted for impact. We need to spend a little more money to do that, right? Or, or you know, uh, if someone says, hey, listen, how are we doing fishing? Well, actually, we're doing pretty good on fishing right now, right? I'm not as worried about that, but there's some other things we need to worry about, right? So the beauty is, prioritization is all about this interface, not only from the testing mm-hmm. that you do on, on individual tests, but also it, it keeps track and tally for you on the bigger p- picture, right? So if you're sitting there going, what do we, should we work on the day, right? Instead of having a dry erase board, we have to come up with yourself. It, it shows you, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I love it. It allows you to like actually do work instead of like spin cycles and then accidentally get distracted cool. by Twitter, YouTube holes and stuff like that. I do want yes. to point out, you know, Requiem does offer a solution for my getting the question from the board about worms or my CEO. Yes, <laughs> this will work. You could just create a script that, um, you know, uh, generates a bunch of like leet speak and then says worm check pass, no, no worms. And uh, take a screenshot of that. That is an option. Um, <laughs> it probably would have the same level of effectiveness as actually um, demonstrating that you are not susceptible. But yeah, eventually the rooster will, uh, or something will come home to roost. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's a rooster. I think yeah. it's just roosting. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this has been really, really uh, good. We're a, a few minutes over. So I do appreciate everybody sticking with us as we, as we went through and kind of looked at looked at the demo and looked at the platform and see how it works and how it can be utilized to help you. Essentially, again, the thesis of the episode was how to help a SOC analyst focus on the things that actually are priority and not get overwhelmed and burned out by all sorts of you know, false positives or not getting alerts at all. As I bring chat back in, it, it'll have to stack up as people uh, talk in here. But I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, Dave, any any final thoughts you want to share or any key key elements you want to share before we kind of wrap up? The, the cool thing is, as, as time goes forward, we're finding ways of, of really uh, finding great ways to reduce sock burnout and have people learn on the job, prioritize, automate, automate, automation mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and orchestration and things like that and, 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 and customize things. It's really it's really coming to to a point where you have the ability now to test safely in your environment in automated fashion and continuous fashion to make this, make this happen. Right. And, and to find, find the gaps before it's a real fire before it's a real incident. Uh, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you, <laughs> makes you more effective. It looks good at performance time. Obviously your mental health and stress uh, could, you know, benefit from it, which I absolutely love. Um, Dave, as far as like, you know, I, I, 
when I demoed this product, I was a potential, you know, uh, business that was going to uh, engage in it. Is this, is there a freemium yeah. model or anything right now that Simulate has? I know that was something y'all were working on. So chat can check it out. Say again. Oh is yeah. There anything, you can, how can absolutely. people check it out? So the, the key is you go to our website um, and uh, get, get an evaluation uh, of the solution. Plus we have, um, uh, talk about education, we have a, a simulate courses on hygiene and uh, being able to, to do red teaming stuff. So you can do that and, and take those courses for free for continuing yep. education credits, stuff like that. And that's awesome. Someone actually wrote here, uh, automation. If you can automate your whole job, does your employer still need you? Food for thought. Uh, key here, uh, Joel and Nick, the key is this is you still we need more people in cybersecurity. Period. Everyone needs more people in cybersecurity. But what's important here is uh, even with this level of automation and orchestration, it's there to help you. It's not there to replace you. And, and that's 200 percent. And in fact, in places where I talk to people who do have the PhDs in cybersecurity and, and go, go to, to, to DEF CON every year, they still love this because it takes out the, the rote and boring things, allows mm -hmm. them to delegate some things to the, lo the lower skilled people to let them get educated and lets them, lets them deal with the, the higher end. Yeah, that's awesome. I as says, automate, don't tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you know what the big thing is right now, Dave, is like having multiple full-time jobs. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's people who are, um, basically getting multiple full-time jobs and there's various ways to handle it. Like some, um, they'll get like 10 jobs, like literally 10 full-time jobs and they'll just wait to get fired from, from them and, and keep loading, which is ridiculous. I wouldn't recommend that, but some people are doing what Requiem is saying, automating the crap out of their job and then just starting a new job over here. And, uh, you know, effectively everybody wins, right. As long as you're getting your job done. So, Anyways, I do appreciate um, that you shared that Simulate actually has free training or free education. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know about that. If they go to simulate.com, is that do, like like this this yeah, audience, this guy loves free education? Give me a second. Uh, let me give you the um, let me give you the, the the link right to the education. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Where is the e card? It is. Is uh, I'm gonna I'll put it in the chat window and you'll share with the with the team here. Which is yep. the private chat? This I this is you, the Bob, link. Bob. This is the link for our e academy. And and by the way, I'm one of the professors. I'm one of the professors of that. So we have two cool. courses. One is on on red teaming and purple teaming, and one is on on uh, uh, cyber hygiene. And you have people like myself. You have Doctor Chase Zero Trust. Uh, oh no kidding, uh, Doctor Chase uh, Cunningham. Him. He teaches one of one of the sections uh, as oh, well. That's cool. Everybody knows him. He was on uh, the channel a couple weeks ago, actually. And again, it gives you continuing education uh, uh, credits, and it's awesome. Thank you, thank you, Bob. Uh, it's awesome, and and uh, please, please feel free to do that as well. Yep. So this, I dropped it in chat. You can see the link there on the side of the screen. Simulate.com eCademy. I've brought it up so you can actually see what it looks like. This is the site, correct, Dave? Just so people know. Yep, that's the site. That's the site. Cool. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Dr. Chase right there. Very nice. And Dave, there you are. Look at you. Handsome man. Very nice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. All right, everybody. Well, Dave, uh, Dave I want to thank you for being on the show. Everybody, I want to thank you for coming out and engaging. Obviously, great community, great conversation. Um, 
uh, hopefully we, you know, answered. I, I know we touched on all the things that I promised you in the intro that we would talk about and deliver on today. So I'm very happy that we were able to do that. I just remind everybody, um, every Thursday we are doing live stream with expert guests, just like Dave. So come back next Thursday at 4.30. We're actually going to have Chris Rock from Sim Monster, uh, excellent Australian uh, cybersecurity practitioner. It gives some of the best talks I've ever seen in my life at DEF CON. Uh, so that's going to be good. And then obviously, Dave, I don't know if you attend, but every morning we do a daily cyber threat briefing. There's close to 200 people there every morning, Dave, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern. I try, I, I've attended a few of them. I love them. I love them. Oh, great. Great. Well, I appreciate the support, Dave. All right, everybody, go to simulate.com. Check out that free training and, uh, you know, test out the solution. I like it. I've used it. Um, and, you know, until next time, stay secure. Thanks so much, everyone.